It's not about politics, it's about football. This is a simple game. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to pass the ball. He's just going to play football, really. How good of a football player are you? I just get in and try to spin it. That's all. I just love the game. It really is the best time of the year. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to It's Just Football here on a beautiful Monday morning. Following week six in the NFL, what a weekend it was, Mike. Not just in the NFL, but in college football as well. You just said in the chat right before the show started that you were at the Notre Dame game, watching them score 14 points instead of watching the best college football game on the, all year. Yeah, so uh, Tennessee repping it. Oh, yeah. okay. Some Tennessee colors. I like it. I like well, it. Well, it is a Tennessee. It says Tennessee on it. It's a Tennessee shirt. Oh, I I'm didn't all in on the Vols and Hendon Hooker. What a game that you, was. You weren't I all in. I the highlights of the end because I was <laughs> in my seat trying to freeze my dick off. I was going to say, you, uh, you weren't all in on them enough to... Yeah. Watch the game. Well, I watched a good portion of it. And, uh, the replay. Head to head into the stadium to catch what a what a classic. One will remember. Notre <laughs> Dame Stanford, sixteen to fourteen. Mm. Instant. The, the day Tanner McKee became a top ten pick. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. He was already a top ten pick. No, we don't joke on the show. We never do. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the show here on a Monday morning. Like we said, it was it was a fantastic week six. We got a lot of really great games that we're going to get to to recap today in the early portions of the week. Want to shout out Lucas first and foremost, chat champ. Hopefully he's in the chat. I didn't see him say anything yet in the chat. In the uh, chat, but we had him as a chat champ from Friday. So any debates that we have in the chat, if the chat's going back and forth on, oh yeah, this team was good, this game was good, this is my favorite performance. Everything Lucas is going to be the tiebreaker because he was the champ from Friday. He was number one. <laughs> It was his Chad, Mike. <laughs> he was number one. We don't have Quinn with us today, mm-hmm. but from the other side, I'm just kidding, he's not dead. Uh, he sent us a message on what the question of the day would be. I think we could play that right now, what the question of the day was, I think. Maybe. There it is. What's up, guys? Much to the chagrin of Skip Bayless, Cooper Rush failed to join the ranks of quarterbacks who began their careers 6-0 and or better as a starter. However... Two active NFL quarterbacks have began their careers 6-0 or better as a starter. Who are they? So we got two quarterbacks. Question of the day. Which quarterbacks have began their careers 6-0 as a starter? That's a good question. That's a great question. Did Mahomes do it? So now he won I that. I don't think he did. Won the week 17 as a rookie. Did they start off 5-0 the next year? I don't know. I can't remember. But, I mean, they've won a lot. So... That was my first thought. I'm trying to think how far back we would go then. Who else has won a lot? I mean, Brady, obviously. It's not going to be Brady. Came in and started. It's not going to be Brady. Hot. No way. If it's Mahomes and Brady, then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to overthink it, and I'm not going to guess those two. I'm trying to think who else would even be. Maybe. Oh, people are saying Jimmy G in the chat. Adam's saying Jimmy yes, G. that's a good one. That is a good one. I Dylan's got did. Jimmy G in there. I think he did because he went, he went, what, 1-0 with the Patriots or something? Yep. And then he got traded, and then they went on a run for the 49ers that mm. year and didn't lose the game the rest of the year. So I, I do think right. Jimmy G is I think, you, I think you might be right. Nolan also said Jimmy G, and shout-out to Nolan. He said in the chat right before we started, this is his first time tuning in on the show. There we go. So what's up? Welcome to the chat, Nolan. Glad like you're Jimmy here. G. Nolan, first day in the chat. Might get the... Uh, 
Chat might, champ. Might, might get the question of the day. Might get the chat champ right. Man, that's good. Adam Adam's the first one to say Jimmy G, but uh, all right, we'll think about it we'll a little bit. I do I do think that Jimmy G is a good answer. We'll be revisiting this throughout the show, and then we'll give you our final answers um, when we get to that point. Mike, as we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, we're trying to get creative mm-hmm. to recap a lot of these games because there's a lot of stuff that we want to pack into this show. There's so many teams to give props to. The Bills, the Eagles, both New York Giants teams, the Falcons. There's a lot of teams that we want to touch on. But let's let's first talk about our superlatives. And if you guys are new to this, what we do every week, we have a game that mattered most. We're going to talk about a game that shaped the playoffs, a game that shaped the NFL draft, and then one game, as we have every week, that we just didn't understand. One that did not make sense to us one way or the other, whether it was the final result or the game that was being played there. So, Mike, I'll start with you. What is the game that you want to talk about most to start off this show? It's Bill's Chiefs, right? It's the game everyone wanted to see. It's the game that truthfully lived up to the hype in terms of the drama at the end of it. And it's the game that we'll be revisiting come playoff time more than likely as opposed to some of these others uh, that may not come to fruition. But it's like, you know, these two teams will be there at the end of it, the Bills and the Chiefs. And Bills, Bills exercised some demons with, with their performance in that one. I think so, too. Look, I, the Bills beat the Chiefs in the regular season last year. A lot of people pointed that out. So it's not like there's this long-standing, oh, can't get over the hump with the Kansas City Chiefs. But come on. The way that this game in the playoffs happened between these two teams, we were entering a point to where you can start to bring in the conversation. If the Chiefs end up winning this game, especially if the way that the Buffalo Bills went down, scored that touchdown, gave the Chiefs a minute left, I thought the Chiefs were going to win the game. Yep. I think most people in the world thought the Chiefs were going to go win the game. And if they did that again to Buffalo, then you start having a conversation of, okay, can you ever get over the hump? Is this team ever going to even mentally be able to beat the Chiefs? And instead, we don't have to talk about any of that because it was a fantastic performance uh, by a lot of those players. It was not as high scoring as a lot of people thought it was going to be, 24 to 20, but there were a couple fourth down conversions that if they go the other way, that score's probably a little bit higher. Hats off to what Josh Allen was able to do. And what I want to point out most in this game, they brought in Von Miller to win this game. That is why they signed him to this team. Mm -hmm. And my goodness, was he worth it going all the way down to that final pass from Patrick Mahomes in that game. Nine pressures, seven hurries, two sacks, 25 and a half pass rush win percentage. He was a monster this game. His presence definitely took over especially when it mattered most at the end of the game. That's why he signed him. It's well worth the money. Well, and it's like, you look at these two teams, they're offseason. How are these two teams different? Von Miller touched on there. They added him this offseason. They also had Kyer Elam makes a game-changing yes. interception in the yes. end zone, taking a touchdown out of the hands of, I believe, Marquez Valdez. Literally it from him. In the end zone. And then on the other side, no Tyreek Hill, no big play to get that. You know, Chiefs only scored 20 points in this game. No game changer, as we saw down the stretch in that playoff game, where he houses a basic little dig route to, or was it a slant route, whatever, houses that to go ahead in the, early, in the end of that fourth quarter. No guy to make that play outside of Travis Kelsey on this Chiefs roster. I will say, though, I am looking forward to when Trent McDuffie comes back for the Chiefs because of how good he looked early on this season. He mm-hmm. could be a guy who could at least match up with Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, because they – Man, Josh Williams did not look quite ready in this game. Quell said Von Miller split that double team at the end like prime Kobe Bryant. It felt like he did, man. He had a lot of freedom, and a big reason why he had freedom is because of how well Matt Milano was playing behind him. They were using Matt Milano in a lot of that QB spy situations, and he was ready to trigger downhill if 
Patrick Mahomes was going to leave the pocket, and he ended up doing that. It was just a, an incredible play there at the end. A lot of great execution from everybody on the Bills. Um, Beardman Dan says, for the last five regular season games, the Chiefs have had home field advantage against the Bills. He wants to see the Chiefs play against the Bills in Buffalo. Buffalo. Look, that might happen, right? Yeah. They are on the path now. The Chiefs, or sorry, the Bills are on the path to having that one seed in the AFC, and I think that that's what it could come down to. That AFC Championship game, we believe it's going to be the AFC Championship game there from uh, from those two teams. So, uh, Tredavious White, somebody mentioned him, obviously would be back soon for Buffalo mm-hmm. as well. So, you mentioned Trent McDuffie, Tredavious White on the Bills side of things. Um, Bills, Chiefs, and the Eagles are the only good teams in the world right now, says Jared. There's not a lot. I mean, there's what? There's like five teams above 500 in the AFC. Yeah. Something. I think Bills, Chiefs are clearly in tier one mm-hmm. of teams in the nfl i'd put the eagles as the next best team right there but is anybody else in that tier i'd almost i'd, I'd almost put philly in tier two alone and then get to a bunch of yeah. teams in tier three does that make sense I, I i think that's probably how i'd stack it up as well okay all right what's the next game you want to go to what's the uh the game that shaped the playoffs the game that I had the shape to playoffs was the Sunday night game, Cowboys at Eagles. I, obviously, if this goes the other way, we're talking about the Eagles atop the NFC East right now mm-hmm. with the Giants and uh, the Cowboys. Oh, don't uh, don't don't make that a throwaway statement. Don't say like, oh yeah, with the with Giants. The Giants but, with uh, the Giants. But now the Eagles take command and control of the NFC East. Really, you know, with the schedule they have, look like the shoe in to be the one seed in the NFC at the moment. I mean, the Vikings sitting at five and one, the Giants sitting at five and one. Mm-hmm. Do we, do we see them as real competition? I know they've obviously had great early returns to start this year, six games in, but is anyone looking at those rosters compared to this Eagles roster and really saying, as you said, are they in the same tier? I don't think so. And obviously the ball can bounce certain ways one week and the other week, but I do think this Eagles team's built to be consistent week in and week out and built to plow through this what we said at the beginning of the year, easy schedule. I am very excited for Dak to come back for the Cowboys because mm-hmm. they are punching above their weight class, I thought, going into the year. I thought it was going to be a step back from the Cowboys, and I thought it was going to be a step back even with Dak Prescott. Now they're showing me without Dak that the rest of the team is better than I thought they were going to be. You get Dak back, and for as much as it felt like some people on the timeline and on other shows like to talk about the Cooper Rush, oh. Dak Prescott debate, I mean, it's... It's over. There was, ne- there, was ne- there was never <laughs> there was a never, debate. Yeah. There was never a debate. Cooper Rush has played well enough for the yeah. Cowboys to continue to win, and that's been great for them in their playoff chances. But you, know, you see the passing grade right there of what um, it, Cooper Rush had against the Philadelphia Eagles last night. Dak plays in that game, and it might be different. You know, Nolan's saying in this chat that uh, it would it would be an easy win. But did Cowboys, Cowboys win no problem without the Eagles. I don't know if it's yeah. no problem, but I do think it's closer. I think the Cowboys are more in that playoff conversation than I believe at the beginning of the year. So. It, it does suck that we didn't get to see Dak because outside of the quarterback position was the difference in this game. You know, it, it, sure. Cooper Rush yeah, throwing 100%. the ball to the Eagles multiple times was the difference in this game. The Cowboys defense held their own against one of the top offenses in the NFL. Like the Cowboys, I would say, won that matchup if we are going back and forth about you know tipping the scales there I, I think the cowboys got the better of them but obviously not having dak prescott they didn't do diddly poo offensively uh, that's a really great term i think that's a that's a coach's term right there yeah. diddly poo uh, the game that i think shaped the playoffs certainly cowboys eagles did but i wanted to pick a different game as well you brought up the minnesota vikings brother vikings are five and one 
uh, Packers are second to them in that division right now at three and three, and they look bad. Like, Packers look terrible. We know the Chicago Bears aren't. Well, I'm sorry, brother. I know the Chicago Bears don't look good. The Detroit Lions are way further behind the eight ball than I think a lot of people believe, even if they thought they'd just be a 500 team. They're on the bye week this week. They're sitting there at one and four. Nobody in that division is close to the Vikings right now. If you look at PFF's power rankings over at PFF.com, the Vikings have the 26th, I think, 23rd toughest schedule remaining. So an easy road, one of the easier roads moving forward. The team's already 5-1. and one. Now, they're not blowing the doors off, mm-hmm. but the record is what it is. They've already got five wins. At this point, their head start, if you will, is so large in the NFC. Right now, the Vikings, are the, they're the two seed. They're the two seed behind the Eagles. Yeah. So I think that the Vikings, if you thought they were a fringe playoff team, which I did, I thought that they'd be just on the outside looking into the playoffs. You can't think that anymore. you got to figure out to this start, unless they have a monumental collapse, they're going to make the playoffs. So we can almost lock in a playoff spot somewhere for the Minnesota Vikings. And on the flip side of things, Dolphins, yes, they haven't had Tua. Them losing this game was clearly because they just did not have any answers at quarterback. So they can be fine in that regard, but they're 3-3 three and three now. That division is tight. Jets got four wins. Bills are obviously looking like they're one of, if not the best teams in the NFL. Patriots are sitting there at 3-3. Three and three. This is no longer this easy road to the playoffs to like we thought it might be for the Dolphins because of how well the Jets and the Patriots are playing around them. So I think this game definitely impacted the playoffs. Yeah, to go back to the Vikings for just a second. Two-game lead, now plus the tiebreaker that you beat the Packers in Week 1. Right. That's the driver's seat. You know, no one in their wildest dreams could have expected this kind of start for both of them, you know, for both those teams. I think you thought the Vikings had a chance to win this division, but it would be, say, maybe something coming down to the wire you know, week 17, week 18, this is, this didn't come down to the wire. This one could be over week 10, week 11 with the way these teams are trending right now. Beardman said, should we mention the Jets gamer as Mike already erased that from his memory? We're getting to the Jets. We're getting to some, we're they getting played some, a game some, some, <laughs> some I missed that one. Damn. We're, uh, oh, wow. You Jets. happened to miss the one that had the Packers in it. That's a shock. Coltrane says Vikings haven't played a perfect game either. They can become more consistent, and they can be a, definitely a team worth watching. I think that they already are, honestly, and, and certainly from uh, <laughs> from what we've talked about already here. Dennis said Bailey Zappi absolutely balling right now. God, dude. Yeah. yeah. Browns defense. Well, yeah. What are we doing? Both. We'll get into that. We'll get into that a little bit more on the show. What's a game that shaped the NFL draft? So on the other on the other side of things. This is one where – Bucks at Steelers. Steelers were heading into this week mm. a blocked extra point away from being winless. You know, a blocked extra point away That's from owning the number one overall that pick. That is a great point. And now they pull this upset off of the Tampa Bay Bucks. They are playing their way out of, you know, what could have been prime draft pick status next year because, let's face it, this team needs to reload, needs to get young talent. You think about the amount of impact players they have on rookie deals, it is very few and far between. I think we talked about their draft record last week and how just abysmal it's been of late. So, yeah, it's not the biggest you know, draft order shakeup, but the, you know, starting a rookie quarterback, obviously a good way to not win a lot of games in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky brings them back in this one. But Maserati if they, Mitch. If they, you know, Kenny Pickett the whole rest of the season, they could very well have ended up or could still end up with a top five pick. But if they win a few too many games, 
it's going to get tough in terms of rebuilding and reloading talent in this roster because I think everyone can admit right now this is not a playoff team, not a team to compete. You have to start thinking about the future if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, and obviously that comes from a draft perspective. Yeah, my game that shaped the playoffs is the other team that I think we would be talking about a lot when it comes to the number one overall pick, and that's the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because at the end of the week last week, we do bold predictions on the show if you guys haven't watched on Friday. My bold prediction was what, Mike? That the, that the Panthers are going to beat the Los Angeles Rams. And I was going bold on this one. I was going very bold on it this one. It looked good for a while. It looked good for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just to give you guys a little transparency here, I'm in a survivor pool right now where it's just me and one other person. And I picked the Rams. <laughs> so I, you I wanted to, <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. I had yeah. to be honest with you guys. I had to be honest because... I, the more I looked at it, I've, I've already used a lot of the good teams. The Rams were the best option left, so I ended up picking the Rams. And when Matthew Stafford threw that pick six, I was like, oh, no. Are we really getting what I said on Friday? Yeah, yeah. Are we getting the fired our head coach spark? And then they, of course, fell apart. Carolina is bad. Uh, there's no breaking news here on this show, but they are a bad football team. They are gunning for the number one overall pick. I think they are in the driver's seat, to use a term that you used earlier on the show, for that number one overall pick they are the only team in the nfl right now that has a one percent chance to make the playoffs they have the 26 i think it's actually 25th now because we updated it this morning toughest schedule moving forward so it is a little bit easier next four games we've got bucks falcons Bengals, and then the falcons again falcons spunky at this point so that's not an obvious win it's rough for them. It's rough for Carolina, and I, I really do think they're going to lock up that number one pick sooner rather than later. Yeah, they're going to be on the game that shaped the draft a lot because they're going to keep losing. <laughs> also, can we talk about the news of Sunday morning where it's like, oh, yeah, the Panthers will move on for Christian McCaffrey for multiple first-round picks. What? Yeah. Well, Are you throwing in one of those first-round picks for a team to take on McCaffrey's contract? McCaffrey's $8 million on the cap this year. He goes up to $19 mil next year and then 19 the year after that. They, Who's trading for that contract? They read negotiating Nobody. for dummies, and they're like, you know, you got to set a high anchor that's, point that's, to negotiate this from. This is true. You You're did. like, okay, multiple first-round picks. Leak <laughs> it. Leak it to the press. Yeah. <laughs> That is the, it's the, okay, here's what I want for my salary. I want a million dollars. Okay, well, we actually think we're going to pay you $60,000 a year. Be like, all right, let's, uh, you know, meet in the middle. Yeah. They're just trying to meet in the middle with it. But there's no way they're getting um, any of that. Somebody in the chat said Panthers didn't even let P.J. Walker try to play quarterback yesterday. Did you see his passing chart? We don't have it available. I wish we did. I wish we could have clipped it. But I think he threw one completion past the line of scrimmage. Yes. Every other completion he had was behind yeah. the line of scrimmage. DJ Moore had 150% air yard share because he was the only one getting targeted past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and so everyone that else was behind. That is wild. And Robbie Anderson said, uh, I'd rather leave I'm than, than, not, than I'm run out. routes for no reason. Wasn't as quite as dramatic as Antonio Brown was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he was trying to do the Antonio Brown thing. He's got a little bit of a ways to go. But, yeah, it just it, it's not a good look. You got coaches yelling at players on the sideline. Um, you're, you're talking about selling off major assets before the game's even over. It's just, it's not a good look. Coltrane says DJ Moore, RIP. Come on, come on, come on. You know, maybe there's hope. Maybe yeah. you know, fire up the Bryce Young edits, the jersey swaps, and, and DJ Moore could be okay. Uh, last one. What is the game that didn't make any sense yesterday? The game that was just mind-boggling. To me, it was 49ers-Falcons. 49ers came in, and the Falcons won this game because of the ground game, sure. Like, that, that is why. But... 
This was the number one pass defense in the NFL, and I get they just lost Emmanuel mostly uh, to a torn ACL. Marcus Mariota goes 13 of 14 for 129 yards and two touchdowns, and I believe his only incompletion was his last pass of the game. That was the number one pass defense in the NFL, highest coverage grade by far. And again, like 14 attempts shows you how little they pass the ball, but still, 13 of 14 for 129 and two tutties. Uh, game didn't that didn't make sense. Our, our hats off to Arthur Smith. If you know Brian Dable wasn't doing what he's doing for New York, he would very well be in the mix for my money, coach of the year, because of what he's done for this Falcons offense so far. We're doing a vibe check later in the show, and so I got the Falcons for a vibe check, so I won't give away all the notes there. But Falcons are six and zero against the spread, man. Oof. They're six and zero this year. They're that team against the spread, they are better than people thought they were going to be this season. The game that didn't make sense for me is Patriots-Browns. And it's mainly because of the Cleveland Browns. When you look at the Browns right now, they have the built-in excuse that they don't have their quarterback into Sean Watson yet this season. So I think everything can be... They're going to brush everything under the rug until they get Watson back. But the other side of the ball, man, that's the big issue here. Third worst EPA per play allowed versus the run this season. They cannot stop the run. 38-point run defense grade, 272 points allowed. These, these are terrible numbers for a team on paper. No, not perfect, but a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Yes. Come on, you got to be playing way better than that. So this is not just a Jacoby Bursett thing. And look, I watched the game yesterday. Bursett's got no juice on the arm left. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he is towards the end of his days of being a reliable guy who you could bring in to get you a win. But the defensive side of stuff, just did, that, that that's the part that didn't make sense to me. Patriots, 35 points scored, 300 yards to Bailey Zappi? It's got to be better than that. Yeah, yeah run it's defense that. to that level of incompetency is coaching-related. You, again, you don't get to yeah. the outliers in, in any regard in the NFL in terms of being elite at something or being terrible at something without there being a coaching problem. So to be far and away the worst run defense in the NFL this season the way the Browns have been, the amount of miscommunications they've had in their back end this season. That is a coaching-related related problem. It would surprise me. And it's not something that Deshaun Watson comes back, oh, we're just good now. No, that run defense isn't getting fixed anytime soon. So to me, Joe Woods, D.C. there, firmly, firmly on the hot seat. Um <laughs> Uh, Beardman says Falcons are close to being 5-1, and one, if not undefeated. They have played all their games very, very yes. close. Jared says Falcons are messing up their chance to draft their next QB. Like, you better hope Ritter's the guy, I guess, because you're right. They're winning too many games at this point. Um, <laughs> we've got Pitts actually caught a touchdown in America. That's funny. I like that one. Br- Dennis said Browns got zapped. Is Bailey Zappi? So Bailey Zappi, I, the Patriots have an interesting sort of question on their hands because oh no, he doesn't look dissimilar from Mac Jones here, does he? Does he not? I, I mean, is this any different? It's still like a run ball control sort of offense. He's not. I still think asked to put a lot in his plate. I still think Jones' arm is better. I don't think so. I was just gonna say I think really? Bailey Zappi has the stronger arm between the two. Whoa. I'm, I think he does, and I think he's the better athlete between the two too. So, TBD, TBD. Chorizo Cone Papas says, what a, what a username. Kevin Stefanski is awful. He's doing his best to get fired. No reason Nick Chubb should only have nine carries in that game. Well, scoreboard probably got away from him a little bit there towards the end. So that um, <laughs> that game script goes into it. Bonkers. Grandma is freed from the cage. Kyle Pitts scored a touchdown. Love that meme reference. I don't know, man. I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to 
dethrone Mac Jones from that starting spot yet. But it is fun to see. Look, I said this a couple weeks ago. There is something to quarterbacks that just scoring touchdowns is just in their nature. Mm -hmm. When you go back, Bailey Zappi's entire college career, he just threw touchdowns. Whether it was Houston Baptist or Western Kentucky, that was just what he did. He completed third down passes. He scored touchdowns. He kept drives going. Like, that's just, that's in his nature. He doesn't get to the NFL, and that doesn't change. So... Clearly pretty fearless in that regard. Let's talk about some best of the rest. Let's throw some scores up there so we can see what some of the rest of the games were in week six. But, Mike, when you look at a best of the rest game here, we want to give a shout-out to Not the Packers. No, I'll give a shout-out to the Jets, though, because I don't think anyone has a more exciting collection of young talent Mm -hmm. on the football field right now. And, yeah, Zach Wilson backslid to a degree. Like, they didn't win this game because they had 27 points on the scoreboard. Uh, almost none of those were related to his performance, to be honest. But you just look at this collection of guys they have drafted in the last handful of years, whether it's, you know, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, um, Sauce Gardner, whether it's Elijah Vera Tucker, whether it's Elijah Moore who's complaining about not getting targets because because they, but they're still winning games. Um, Makai Becton, who's not even healthy, but when he is, he's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And now Quinton Williams playing a like top five defensive tackle. Like all those guys within the last four years on rookie contracts added to this roster. That's a great starting spot. Really all that's missing is Zach Wilson taking that next step. He does. This is maybe not this season, but next season because of how cheap those guys are comparatively, they can add. They can add more. They can get more free agents to this roster, and that's a scary proposition with how well they played so far. I want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Colts end up beating the Jags 34-27, to and what I want to talk about this game is how they did it, specifically on offense, specifically with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, turning back the clock here, 58 pass attempts, 42 completions, 389 yards, three touchdowns, but it's in the details of how this happened. Average depth of target this week, 4.5, as opposed to a season average of 7.6, much less. Getting the ball out of his cans very quickly, trying to make up for that offensive line, not holding up as much as you thought, trying to make up for the receivers not winning as much downfield, not having Jonathan Taylor, obviously knowing that you're going to have to lean more on the passing game. Matt Ryan's arm maybe isn't what it was before. They bring down the average depth of target. As you can see, the time to throw as well was there for Matt Ryan getting the ball out of his hands quick. They changed the game plan for Matt Ryan, and they said more short, quick stuff, get it in the hands of the playmakers, let him make something happen. And that was the script. That was the script to help alleviate what has been a disappointing offensive line, and it was the way for them to move down the field more consistently, especially without Jonathan Taylor to hand the ball off to. So that was what I lo- what I had the big takeaway from with the Colts' win is how they're using Matt Ryan. That really is going to have to be what it looks like for them to put a point to the scoreboard going forward because trying to attack over the top with Ryan's arm as it currently is, it's not possible. You know, he, he last week was his farthest throw of the year. Do you have any guess as to how far it went? And, and it was, this was Matt Ryan air. rearing up, yeah, from throw, from release point of his hand to where Alec Pierce caught it. That was against the Titans last week. It was his farthest of the year. And that was pretty much everything he had on it. Do you want to guess how far it went? 47. 48 yards. It was, and that was him stepping up in the pocket, rearing back and trying to unload. And Alec Pierce had to stop, come to a full stop to get it. So. That's about that's that's about as weak an arm as exists in the NFL right now. So to win, you're gonna have to take advantage of his brain and the fact that he can be accurate underneath, and that's what they did this week. Ooh, people are talking about Sauce Garner. You know, going back to your point, talking about the yeah. Jets, Sauce Garner versus Justin Jefferson coming soon. When do they play? 
When do those two play? Uh, December 4th. Mm, okay, so we, we got a while. We got a while here, but that's going to be an absolute stuff. movie. Nolan said Matt Ryan back from the grave. Zombie Matt Ryan has returned, baby. Felipe said it's Halloween month. <laughs> zombie, the zombie of Matt Ryan came back to life. It was a beautiful game plan. I loved it, man. I, I love when coaches are able to identify what's going on, aren't too stubborn to change things. And the Colts were definitely in a situation where what they were doing was not working. Time to do a vibe check. Let's do it. It's time to get a vibe check on certain teams in the NFL. We'll talk either good vibes, bad vibes, confusing vibes, whatever it is. Mike, where are you starting? What team do you want to hit on? Who are you doing a vibe check for? Let's get it out the way. Go with the Green Bay Packers. And the vibe right now is unfamiliar. This is not something the Packers have, Mm -hmm. myself, have ever known as a Packers fan. A bad offense. Get over it, baby. We ha- I have not known. Born in 1990. I have not seen until, you know, from ages, what, four on. I have not seen a lot of bad offenses in the Green Bay Packers coming to Lambeau Field. In 14 years with Aaron Rodgers, 10 top 10 scoring offenses, only one scoring offense outside the top 15. That was 2017, and that was ranked 21st. Right now they're 24th in the NFL. 24th scoring, 24th in EPA per play. This is unfamiliar territory as a Green Bay Packers fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure it changes. This receiving core is not good. They don't have guys that can get open. And in today's NFL, guys that can get open are the difference makers. That is, that, is the, that is where the whole entire game is kind of going, is these separators that the Packers currently don't have. Yeah, as much as, you know, you and I were actually talking about this yesterday in a little bit of a, a team-building conversation. We were talking about, okay, what's the most important position in the game? Okay, obviously quarterback. What's second? Uh, both you and I, yeah. there's a couple of positions you could bring to the table. We both probably said a premier pass rusher. If you can get a good pass rusher, that's definitely paramount. And then, you know, when you talk about that, okay, what's next? You brought up wide receiver. And having a difference-making wide receiver and how important that is in today's NFL. And for the Packers, they you, you are right. They just don't have that. If you look to the defense side of the ball, too, dude, they can't stop anything. They're like the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. They can't stop the run, man. It's We were watching it yesterday. Quay Walker continues to be a liability in coverage. 29.9 run defense grade. Rashawn Gary yesterday was the only player on the Packers defense with an above 70 run defense grade. Not good. It's got to be a lot better all around. Third worst defense in the NFL and EPA per play allowed on the ground. Worst allowed when they're in too high defenses. It really is hilarious. The, the Packers have seven homegrown first-rounders on their defense. Homegrown. I like that term. Two homegrown first-rounders on offense. Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. <laughs> That's it. Mm. Like they, they haven't drafted they, their only first-round offensive player out of, I believe, 12 first-round picks in the last decade. Because they had two years, they were two picks on offense Jordan Love. You get what you, buy, you, get what you pay for. You know, and when you haven't signed any big money for agents on that side of the ball, they're getting what they pay for. All right. Well, you did. You did your team. I guess I got to do mine, right? Tampa Bay Buccaneers yep. lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. How uh, twenty to eighteen? Not good. The vibes were bad mid game. I think we have the clip of Brady talking to his O lineman, yelling at his O lineman. Something. I think we have the clip um, somewhere, which we could play. Oh, here you go. Oh no, there's there's no sound to it. I thought he was gonna be there was gonna be sound to it. He's yelling at him, and, and what he says is, at least part of it, you guys are so much better than you're effing playing right now. He is laying into the offensive lineman, and they're bad, man. This O-line is bad. They gave up 
They gave up in the second half. They gave up conversions of third and 11, third and 13, third and 15, third and 15 in the second half alone. They gave up seven third and longs on the day to Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. They targeted Mike Evans one time in the second half when the Steelers were down their top three corners and Micah Fitzpatrick. It's bad, Mike. The vibes right now, they're bad. This is not a complete team. They are all over the place. They are so far away from a Super Bowl contender, which we thought they might be going into the year. The injuries have something to do with it. The lack of continuity has something to do with it. But the coaching staff is out of sync. The play calling on both sides of the ball is not where it needs to be. And I think we have the clip of Todd Bowles, who was talking afterwards about the team and how some of those guys on the team are living off of that Super Bowl hype from two years ago. But where's this team right now? I mean, you were heavily favored in a game like this against a rookie quarterback, a team that lost four in a row. Um, do you have trouble you know, getting that message across to your team not to take guys lightly? I mean, what is what has happened in these games? Well, uh, we didn't take them lightly, number one. Number two, I think guys that are living off the Super Bowl are living in a fantasy land. And you got to get your hands dirty and go to work like everybody else. And we've been working hard, and we got to work harder. So nobody's going to give us anything or feel sorry. So we got to go back as coaches, as players, and the time for talking is over. You either got to put up with shit up. Are there people on your, your team, players or coaches, that you think are still living in that fantasy land? No, I didn't say we were. I'm mm -hmm. just saying you get that on the back so much. Just you got to relive every year and every week. You got to go out there and earn your pay and earn your keep. And if you don't live like that, then it's going to be a result like today. Mm. He said it, not me. He's also right. Daniel said, "Mitch is Mitch is so back. Get out of here, Daniel. Get out of get out, get out of my chat. I, I can't I can't do this. Not today. I can't do it." I will say, they they just they gotta just put it on Tom Brady's shoulders. Yeah, I get that the offense line's not playing great, oh, but dude, you have the last average. ranked rushing offense in the NFL. Awful. Dead last in terms of EPA added in the run game. They're not. They're not creative in that regard. They're doing the same shit they've done the last three seasons in terms of schematically no real wrinkles being added to that run game. If you're not going to do that, just put it on Brady and let him go to work. That's your best chance of winning games. That's your best chance of winning Super Bowl. Uh, I get that the O-line has struggled. Hopefully it comes together now with Tom Smith and back. But, yeah, that's kind of just <laughs> – that's what it's going to have to be at this point in time. The vibes, horrendous. That's what it is for the Buccaneers. All right, who's your next vibe check team? Next vibe check team, and it's a sad that Mike Quinn couldn't be here for the Cincinnati Bengals. The vibe is mm. whatever the vibe was when Joe Burrow was smoking that cigar after the national championship game in the Superdome down in New Orleans because he was back. This was, this was Joe Burrow. This was vintage. You know, 28 of 37, 300 yards, three touchdowns, not a single pick on the day, not a single turnover where they play for only the second time this season. This was what the offense we all thought we were getting when we thought Cincinnati Bengals 2022 Biggest thing here, last two games, don't want to jinx it, 14 pressure dropbacks of his 79 dropbacks over that span. Only 14. O-line, whatever it is, figuring it out, that's the key for the Cincinnati Bengals moving forward. Cannot operate if that's not the case. Huge win. Yes. Huge win for the Bengals. In New Orleans, always a tough place to play. I don't mean to be too cliche about it, but it, it is. I think the Superdome is a very difficult place to play, and um, without that incredible play to Jamar Chase at the end, Maybe they don't even win that game. I think it's a testament to that. So good job by the Bengals, man. I think that they have the chance to uh, to really pull it together. There we go. He, they, That's they, the got, they got the pick. They got the pick up there. Mm -hmm. That's the vibe for the Cincinnati Bengals right now.
very fitting that it's in the LSU jersey in Louisiana where they just got the big win this past weekend. My next vibe check, Atlanta Falcons. We brought it up 6-0 against the spread. Gets another big win this weekend. I get it. The 49ers injury list looked like a team that could have made the wild card this year, right? I mean, like, it was their injury list is long, it's extensive, and it's a lot of talented players. So I don't mean to, it's not like I'm harping on the, the 49ers too hard for making this a big loss or that it was a monumental win for the Falcons. But the Falcons, like the Seattle Seahawks, I would say, are a team that is punching above their weight class. They are way better than I thought they were going to be this season. They are way more competitive than I thought was going to be the case. You go back to that very first game of the season, they had that game against the Saints in hand. They blew it at the end, okay, so they end up getting the loss, but I think most of the time you run that simulation, Falcons end up getting that win. This could be a 4-2 and two team right now. Somebody in the chat said 5-1 and one was a possibility for the Falcons, and I love how they're doing it on the ground. Arthur Smith is looking at this team and saying, this is going to be our identity. This is what we're going to do. Eighth in EPA per play on the ground this season. Sixth highest rushing grade. Second highest run blocking grade. And a wrinkle that I've liked over the last couple of weeks, getting Marcus Mariota's legs a little bit more involved in the game plan. If you are going to be a rushing team, be as diverse of a rushing attack as you can be. And that means giving Marcus Mariota the freedom to tuck it and run every now and then. And I think that that has paid dividends for them as well. We have uh, the vibe check. I think we have the after-game beer celebration from the Atlanta Falcons here in the locker room. Choice of beer, Bud Light. What do we think, Mike? Bud Light's cheeks. I mean, not that I can talk because I'm a Miller Light fan, but still Bud Light's pretty tough. Rank? All right, real quick. And also the, the pounders, like the silver... The, you know, the stadium cans, like the 16-ounce. Yeah. Those are the worst-tasting things to drink out of, bar, bar none. Yeah, but they're, co- like, they're, yeah, it, but they're really cold. They, they, they are cold, stay, though. I don't know. anyone. No one buys those outside of when you're forced to drink them, whether it's on a golf course or at a stadium. Rank okay. your top three light common beers. beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Domestic light. lights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miller Light 1. Okay. Coors Light 2. Okay. They're, they're the most similar of okay. the domestics, okay. I believe. Yep. And then after that... Gosh, I don't love any of my options after that. I don't drink a ton of else. Bud Light's three for me. Okay. I would probably go like a Mick Ultra. <laughs> Mick Ultra three. I think I like Bud Light more than I like Mick Ultra. It's, neither are great. I'll say that. But you got to do what you got to do. All right. Hey, do you guys remember a couple weeks ago when we showed that meme of the grandma in the cage and the guy said, Grandma doesn't get out of the cage until Kyle Pitts scores a TD? Yeah, somebody brought that up in the chat yeah, earlier. Yeah, bonkers shout out. Congrats to that guy's grandma who's now <laughs> free from the cage. <laughs> Uh, I want, I want, I Wait, want. I forgot Bushlight. Bushlight's three. I want light beer rankings in the chat. Yeah. Tell me what the number one light beer ranking is. Miller, Coors, is. Bush. There. That's my top two. I would probably go Coors, Miller. Oh, Bushlight's bad. I like Bush. Bush is solid. Somebody clip that. Uh, I probably, I probably have Bud Light three. I'd probably have Bud Light three. So, anyways, um, fantastic celebration. Love to see it from Arthur Smith. His guys are up, and you know, the way they're winning yields that kind of a celebration it really does like when you win running the football like just 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 hard nose in your face just going straight down the field like that is when you get in the locker room afterwards and you're puffing your chest and you're like like yeah we did it like we like let's go yeah and you're just hyped up because you just physically imposed your will on the other team when you ran the football as well as the falcons have this season so i think that that uh 
that yields that kind of a celebration. So that was good. Uh, what's your last vibe check, team? Last vibe check, and I hate to do this. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I said the Packers are in unfamiliar vibes. Jaguars are in familiar vibes. This is oh, come on. This is what we've seen. It, it the, the as soon as the hopes get high, as soon as the expectations go start to get anywhere near playoffs for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Playoffs comes crashing down. Two and four now on the season. And honestly, if this is the if this is how it goes the rest of the year, you know, X two and four, if they end up well below five hundred on the season. Mm-hmm. Some heads got to roll in the front office there because they. This is what this was it. Like they, they are over the cap next season. They put all these resources, whether it's from a draft perspective, whether it's trading up for guys in this year's draft like Devin Lloyd, who actually you know has been very good, but signing a lot of guys in free agency, spending a lot of money. You spend a lot of money to be a below 500 team once again with all the draft capital you've had of late. That's a problem. That's a problem. And, and not Trevor Lawrence's fault. Trevor Lawrence played great in this game, but Jaguars still can't get over the hump. I got one more, but I'm reading the I'm reading the light beer rankings that we have in the chat. Jack says Miller's number one, then Michelob Ultra's number two. Mm. We got Elliot saying Keystone Light number one. Keystone Elliot, Light, no. Elliot's 17 years old. I <laughs> can't do it. Dan- Daniel I, said, Keystone was my favorite in college. I mean, like that was, was what I drank. But I think I've had I think I've had two Keystones in my life. Keystone versus Natty. Which one was were you Natty? Yeah, 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 100%. Okay. I was 100%. Keystone. I, I, no, Natty. come on. I did not like Natty. Didn't you go to Notre Dame? Yeah, that was. I mean, so you like, so you like went to a real college, and you're you're genuinely going to look me in the eyes and tell me that you did Keystone over? Yeah, that was my fifth. You didn't even have a good college experience. <laughs> Daniel said Trevor doesn't want to admit the natural light is superior. I don't think I've had a Natty light since the last day I was a college student. Yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to think. Last time I I've had one I, since, but I'm not. <laughs> Willingly purchased it. Joe says Bud Light, Coors, and then Miller. Ooh, Clifford says throw threw Modelo in there. I don't think okay. we can. But like Modelo solid. Yeah, but I don't know if Modelo is like in that conversation. Like I think Modelo is better. Like even even Corona. Like I think Corona kind of is step above, not right? in, yeah 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 like not in that conversation. Yeah. You know, like you're not putting Corona in the cup for Pong or Flip. Mm-hmm. You know. I will say I went to this brunch place in Chicago one time called Park and Field where it was all-you-can-drink brunch, and all they had for beer was Modelo. And I kind of got sick of it after about 15 Modelos. Mm. It was bad. You didn't drink 15. I think, it, yeah, it was probably about 15 Modelos. It was during the World Cup, back 2018 maybe. 15? Was that the last World Cup? Brother, if I drank 15 of anything, I'd... Well, then I, that's why I don't like it. I had my stomach pumped. That's just insane. Uh, last vibe check. Speaking of drinking copious amounts of beers when you are in college, Tennessee Volunteers, i got to give a shout-out to them. Beat Alabama at home this weekend. First yep. time they have beat Alabama since Nick Saban took over in 2006. Incredible. This is one of the best, or I will say, one of the most storied rivalries in college football that unfortunately has not been a rivalry at all over the last decade and a half. So Tennessee getting the massive win, Hen and Hooker, incredible performance. The wide receiver he was throwing to, Jalen Hyatt, my goodness, five touchdowns in that game. Unbelievable performance from him. And after the game, to encapsulate how high the vibes were, you're not allowed to storm the field in the SEC. And they could not keep them off the field that night. You now see the goalpost, which the fans ripped down and carried up the stadium, through the stadium, and eventually they just dumped it into the river. Like, that's the part that I don't get. Why'd you dump it in? Cut it up. Like, take it to a bar. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, get somebody to... 
you need a chainsaw out there or something. So I was at, I was actually at Tennessee, Alabama last year, one year early, and it was at Tennessee, Georgia, and you could tell that they were different. Like they gave those teams some games. You know, it was a different Tennessee vibe. They at least like challenged that Georgia defense. They kind of put the blueprint out with the no huddle stuff about how to attack them. And as we saw, Hendon Hooker, the step he's taken from last year to this year, uh, even though he's old, like he's put himself into a real deal prospect. Even though he's old, he's like I mean, 24. He's going to be 25 when he's drafted. Yeah, he he's put himself in the real a conversation to be maybe not a first rounder, but probably a day two pick. Uh, is Jalen Hyatt draft eligible? Yeah, Jalen Hyatt draft eligible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So unbelievable performance from them. Can't wait to go back and watch the tape on that one uh, when we really get into draft season, which is coming up soon, actually. Oh, yeah. You know, we get into November, December. Yep. That's when you and I start uh, creeping into draft season. So there we go. Those are the uh, those are some vibe checks on some teams there. Checking in the chat, a lot of people giving some big love to Jalen Hyatt and how he was able to play. Bonker says, RIP the goalpost. You know what I would do if I was a local bar in Tennessee? I guess it's probably too late now, but right when I saw the video of the goalpost going in the water, mm-hmm. I'd have sent somebody down there. Fish those Go out. fish that bad boy I mean, out. You probably can. And like put it up in the bar somewhere. Yeah. You know? Because then you're the bar. Like you could you could you could take a chunk of that goalpost and put it over the door coming mm-hmm. into the bar and people could like slap the goalpost as they leave the bar. How cool would that be? Uh, I have, can't remember what the name of the bar was that's like the go-to bar at Tennessee, but it was super cool. It was, it was named like a top 10 college bar in the country. They definitely should have done that because they had a nice little outdoor patio. Could have had space for it. There. See? See? It's right there. It's all coming together. You guys need to you guys need to fish that bad boy out. Make it happen. Last segment of the show we have before we get to some Monday Night Football bets. We have not talked about the New York Giants and the New York Jets enough here on this show. We've given them a little bit of shout-outs, but the Jets sitting there at 4-2, big win over the Packers. Giants at 5-1, and one, big win over the Baltimore Ravens. we got a New York minute, or a New York couple of minutes, where we're going to give some props to these teams because they absolutely deserve it. Mike, what do you want to talk about first, Jets or the Giants? I'll talk about the Giants because we really haven't touched on them yet. Yet they're 5-1, and one, yet they beat what everyone thinks is a legit contender in the AFC in the Baltimore Ravens. And they didn't, you know, I don't want to say super convincing fashion, but they were there. Like, they were there the whole game. They hung around. And this, they don't, they're doing it without a great wide receiving core. We're lamenting the Packers wide receiving core. They're doing it with similar caliber wide receivers. They're doing it with a pretty average to maybe below average even offensive line. But they're featuring the talents of the guys that they do have. Daniel Jones still hasn't like made that leap as a passer, but they're utilizing him in the run game and his legs more so than ever. And they're getting Saquon Barkley in space more so than ever before, giving him room to operate. And at that point, like they're featuring the actual talent on this offense, as opposed to whatever the hell they were doing the past couple of years. So hats off, Brian Dable, your shoe in for coach of the year at the moment. Uh, Giants, that that was a a real win. Uh, That was not a fluke by any means. Brian Dable is just, he's such a good head coach right now. And I think that he is such a good head coach because of the way that he is managing that team. I echo you completely. Both of the offensive and the defense coordinators are so in sync with the players they have right now and the players' strengths, right? How many times do we talk about this when you go into the scouting world and you go, what players do we want to add to this team? The first question that you ask when you talk about guys is, what can they do for you? What is this player's strength? And I think sometimes in the NFL, these offensive and defensive coordinators get a little bit caught up in the chess match of, hey, this is an area of weakness 
for the team that we're going up against. And sometimes they sacrifice that for the strengths that they actually have on the team. At no point this year does it feel like the Giants have gotten away from exactly what they're going to do best. Mm -hmm. And they have said, we're going to put our players in as good of positions as possible to play the best games that they can. And if that's enough, then that's enough. And if it's not, so be it. We'll go back to the drawing board next year with players that we acquire. So even beyond them being 5-1, and one, because... I don't think that they're a team that I guess in the NFC literally anything could happen honestly so I I almost like stopped myself from saying it but like if the Giants go up against the Chiefs or the Bills talent still talks nobody is nobody's picking the Giants but it is so encouraging the direction that they're going because you have people in the right spots I think this also goes to Joe Shane the general manager who are evaluating players and people and putting them in the right positions to succeed the most to maximize their strengths and we talk about that all the time when we talk about evaluating football. Very few teams do it as true as the Giants are doing it. So had to give them a huge shout-out there. Jets as well. You've talked a little bit about the Jets already this show, but go ahead. Go off on the Jets again. Yeah, the Jets. And now, offensive side of the ball, Zach Wilson obviously didn't look great in this game. but Well, he wasn't asked to do a ton. Reese Hall is as advertised. You know, We said he was probably the best single t- best tackle-breaker in this class at the running back position is, mm-hmm. has been just that for the Jets so far. And it's the defense, though, that really has been the fuel to this fire. And, you know, what Robert Salah came over as the D.C. Like, this is what he was building. And it really shows, again, kind of go back to the point, like talent talks, like they have added the talent. Doe Douglas has been incredible about building this roster, whether it's finding values in free agency like D.J. Reed, whether it's getting a guy like Sauce Gardner in the top five of this draft who is – the runaway for defensive rookie of the year now, in my opinion, through six games, 22.5 yards per game allowed, 4.5 yards per target when thrown his way. That is not just you know good for a rookie. That is good for any cornerback throughout NFL history. That is elite numbers for a guy you know coming from group of five school, faced you know not a lot of top tier wide receiver talent throughout his college career. He's now all of a sudden stepping in the NFL and bodying some of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Sauce Gardner, as advertised. Also had the cheese head clip. I think we have that. We don't have to play that. Though. I think we do have to play it. Do we have That's, it? Come on. We got to play it. Got to play it. Come on. Come on. There it is. Sauce putting on the cheese head, going over to the Packers fans and the Jets fans. Look, I know this is obviously against the Packers and straight in the Packers' face, but you love this from a corner. You absolutely love this from a corner. A guy who plays that confidently on the field, who does stuff like this. Alan Lazard playing better defense than the Packers did there, knocking the cheese head off before he goes into the locker room. But even, I mean, Alan Lazard after the game gave him a lot of respect, talked about how good Sauce Garner was and how legit he was. So We should because he fucking locked his ass up. They're having a lot of fun there in New York with the Jets. Uh, Mr. Smith, going back to the Giants, said th- that how we were describing them putting guys in, there, in, in the right positions, the antithesis of the last regime, and it was. Right? How many times do we hear like Joe Judge and, and that regime there in New York go, this is what we're doing. This is how we're playing. This is how I'm building the team. This is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Dable's in a spot where he goes, no, okay, well, all right. Daniel Jones does this well. Let's put him in the position to succeed. Saquon does this. Let's put him in this position to succeed. That's the best coaches in the NFL. Yeah is the ones that look at the, the, the team that they have. Because, because, look, because of the salary cap, even though we like to all joke about that it's a myth, you are going to have ups and downs as a franchise. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Some rosters are going to be more talented than others. And you've got to be able to, to adjust your expectations and what you are asking of these players. And I think the Giants are doing it better than uh, 
almost any team in the NFL given the talent that they have right now, which is awesome to see. You love that. You love to see that from the Giants. All right, Monday Night Football, let's talk about it. We got the Chargers, we got the Broncos tonight. Let's talk spread, let's talk over under, let's talk a prop bet. Give me three before we get out of here. Yeah, I I can't bet on the Broncos on. and this offense Come with on. how anemic it's been. So I'm gonna go Chargers four and a half. I'm gonna go under with going back to that Broncos being anemic under 42 and a half. And I'm gonna go for my prop. I think I went the same as you here. I went Jerry Judy Judy under three and a half receptions for the simple fact that Oh yeah, we have the same. He's going up against a guy who played with them last year, Bryce Callahan, who's one of the best lock corners in the NFL. Ooh. That's probably, you know, Callahan probably has got a little, you know, experience going up against them. You see that little mismatch tab that we have on the app? I love that. I love so many different tabs that we've got on the PFF app. If you get an Apple device and um, and you don't have the PFF app yet, you can see it. You got a little bit of a preview of it there. It'll tell you the bets that Greenline loves, why they love them, and give you a couple of different tabs when it comes to mismatches best best team grading all that so if you don't have the pff app and you got an apple device go check it out on the uh, on the app store and you can download that right there it's the best pff.com straight in your hand i'm with you on a lot of these bets i got the chargers covering the four and a half as well i have over on 45 and a half just because it's so little it's so little points there so i'll go i'll, I'll go over on that number the Jerry Judy one's probably a good one. I feel like Jerry Judy was going to have a lot better of a season, and it just does not feel like they are giving that to them. Before we get out of here, can I just say that on the $5 Friday parlay bets that we had to end the week, I had three games, three money line games, that I said if you put $5 on it, you win $87. Bucks. Jets money line, hit. Seahawks money line, Hit. Chiefs money line. Chiefs ruined it. I lost on the Chiefs money line. Mm. Mm. I lost on the Tom Brady over. Thought 274 yards was low. Mm. They didn't even. <laughs> Felipe said Broncos again. I can't. I mean, that is that is unfortunately how we uh how we all feel about the Broncos at this point. How did the Broncos get so many primetime games? Mr. Unlimited. He's a he's a draw. All right, what's the question? What's the answer to the question of the day? What other quarterbacks have started 6-0? and Well, Cooper Rush didn't start 6-0, and but there have been two quarterbacks who have started 6-0 and throughout the first six games that they have started. Chat with a really good shout-out. Jimmy G is one of them. I mean, it could be Dak, right? They went, what, 13-3? Did Lamar go 6-0? Did they... I know they were hot at the end of this first season when he came in, but I don't think they won every game. Did they win every game? I don't know. Um, I'll say Mahomes and Jimmy G. I'll say Dak and Jimmy G. All right. So we got two different answers. Okay. Which one is it? You guys are close. It is. Well, I think one of you got it right. Chat did a good job as well. The answer is Jimmy G and Patrick Mahomes. Me? Oh, it is What's Mahomes. Up? That was my What's first up, thought. Baby? Damn it. That is, a, that is a team win for the chat because I don't know if I would have thought of Jimmy G. But I thought of Patrick Mahomes. Wow, look at me. I thought of the best the, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I literally that was my first thought and I changed it at the end. That was a lob. Shit. Look, the chat was lobbing it up to me like Dwayne Wade, and I'm just LeBron cocking it back, boom, straight in the hoop. That's what that was uh, there. Dak lost his first game and then won ten straight. Or mm-hmm. eleven straight, excuse me. Ugh. Hate to see. Big shout out to everybody who got it right. Who's yeah. the chat champ today? Chat champ today is going to be Beard Man Dan. Hell He's in the chat yeah. Every day. Let's go. He's the man. Shout out to him. Beard Man Dan. Shout out. Chat champ. First show of the week here on a Monday. Beard Man Dan. That means that you got to be in the chat tomorrow. That's what that, that's what that means. When we give you the crown, it means that you have a responsibility to the people that you lead on the Tuesday show. Tuesday's a big show. We got Dogs of the Week. 
We're doing stats that matter. We've got all sorts of stuff. So you get to help navigate the chat, represent the chat with your Dogs of the Week. Mike and I are going to have our Dogs of the Week as well. It's going to be a jam-packed show. Of course, we're going to talk about what's going to be a thrilling. Come on, we're manifesting Mm -hmm. here. A thrilling shootout. Monday night football shootout. I'm talking 58 to 53 final score. Yeah, like basically just Tennessee-Alabama at the pro level. Oh, just going back and forth. It's going to be incredible. We're going to be back right here on this desk to talk about all of it. For Trevor Sykema, that is Mike Renner. For everybody in the production suite, thank you guys so much for watching. It's just football. We'll see you all tomorrow. It's not about politics. It's about football. This is a simple game. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to pass the ball. He's just going to play football, really. How good of a football player are you? I just get in and try to spin it. That's all. I just love the game. It really is the best time of the year.